life? I mean, truly happy? If I asked you to define what a truly happy life looks like, could you do it? I'm starting the conversation about what it means to be truly happy from within and why things that you think create your happiness from outside of yourself are actually not what creates a truly happy life. So grab your cup of tea, sit back and chat with me. I've missed you. Welcome to the Happiness Workshop. Hannah, how are you today? I'm actually doing great because today is my birthday. So <laughs> I was just going to, after I anticipated, you were going to be like, oh, I'm so good. I was going to say, and happy birthday. Yeah, no, I'm doing great. Happy birthday to you. Thank you. I appreciate you taking time on your birthday to be here with me for all of us. Thank you. Yeah, yeah it's, it's it's actually late afternoon. I've already had breakfast with one friend at the Botanical Gardens, and I just had a big lunch with another bunch of friends. So I'm I'm ready to just sit and chat now. <laughs> I love it so much. Was it pub lunch? Um, no, it was um, a cafe. We I, I live across from a, a an ancient market. It's the most stunning market. Fresh fruit and vegetables, and fish and bakeries, and there's several cafes there. So you, it's it's like in that busy kind of atmosphere, but the food is great because it's so fresh because it's coming from the market. You know, so yeah, wonderful. <laughs> I feel like that would be my heaven place to live because when I've been to England, when I've been to France, mm -hmm. that's one of my favorite things to do is to go to all the markets. Yeah, well, I'm actually in Jerusalem. I'm in. I live in Israel. And wow. uh, so I, I'm right in the center of the city. So this market, it's, um, yeah, it's probably been there for a good few thousand years. <laughs> That's just, I'm looking at you in awe right now. Like, oh, I feel starstruck. You're so amazing. <laughs> <laughs> so what time is it there? If it is 1030 in the morning here? Um, it, I'm looking at my clock. It is 20 to six in the evening. Okay. All right. Mm -hmm. Just so I've got, you know, my head in the right place. Mm -hmm. Before we even get down to business, I have to know you dance with John Travolta. Please tell me how that happened and what it was like. Oh, gosh. Yes. Um, so I used to work in the film business. I worked in film for about um, 20 years and I did special effects. And I worked on a movie with John um, called Michael. Um, he was an angel, yeah. so I made his wings, you know, he had a big set of wings, um, but actually I made maybe six or seven different sets of wings for different scenes. And there was one scene where, um, if anybody's watched the movie, there's a scene where he collides with a bull on the horizon. We're filming this in Texas, and it took all day to shoot this thing, and I had to be with him, like, on the horizon to set the wings up and run out the out the way so that when they shout action, you know, he's running across the field. So I, I'd been working with him for a couple of months at this point, and he, you know, we're just chatting in between takes and stuff, and he said, he said, you know what, you would look fabulous in a Mary Quant outfit, right? And he started designing an outfit for me. He's like, he's like that. Anyway, <laughs> so... So I, did, I don't know how I got the nerve. I just said to him, so if I wore that, would you dance with me? And he said, oh, honey, I'd dance with you anytime, but not now, right? Action, you know, he runs off and does his thing. And then about two weeks later, we were filming an, a night scene where um, he had to dance with a, an, an actress in a, in a scene. So they play music to, you know, so he gets the timing right. And they're setting everything up and wait, you know, it's hurry up and wait, hurry up and wait. And he said, now. I'm like, what? He goes, we're going to dance now. 
And so in front of about 70 crew members, mostly men, um, three o'clock in the morning in a field in Texas, um, he goes, hit it so, to the sound guy. And I put my hands out and he's like, are you going to lead? And I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> so he started swirling me around. And I honestly felt like Princess Diana at the White House. You know, oh. it was like, I mean, his eyes are so blue and he is such the most wonderful person. Not everybody is like that. You know, I worked with, but he was a gentleman. He was kind. He was considerate. Um, and, you know, I told him that I had run away as a 14 year old to go and watch, you know, Greece. <laughs> because my mother wouldn't let me see it and so here I was dancing with him in a, in a field in Texas and it was absolutely wonderful so one of, one of my highlights of my life <laughs> who could say that honestly Hannah like you're you have this once in a lifetime very unique story mm -hmm. you totally light up when you tell this story oh my gosh yeah, thank you for sharing that I know it's you know, completely outside of your business now, really, but wow, what a, uh, what an icebreaker story you've got. That's amazing. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So let's really get down into it. First, I want to talk about your latest book. Can you kind of give us, I know it's been your most recent, let's talk a little bit about that. What is it? How did it come to be? Yeah, so my I've written three books. They're all novels. They're, they're stories. I like to, um, I find that, you know, when you're tired and you're exhausted and you're overwhelmed, like reading another textbook or another self-help book might be too much. So I put all my stuff into stories with characters and the characters kind of do the suffering and the falling down and the searching and the getting up and the happy endings, you know? So um, this one is set in Los Angeles where I, I lived for about 16 years when I was working in movies. And the main character, her name is Helen. She's a mother with two daughters. So I chose that so that between the three of them, they would cover every hormonal experience that women go through. So Helen is about to go through menopause. And her two daughters are struggling with PMDD and postpartum depression. So for, for anybody who doesn't know what PMDD is, it's like the most extreme premenstrual tension you could imagine. These women are suicidal. It's, you know, I did a lot of research on it and it's it's quite tragic what, what can happen when we get caught up in, you know, in that, that cycle. Um, and so uh, I said it in, the, Helen works in a shoe, the shoe department of Nima Marcus in Beverly Hills, because after I left Hollywood, that's what I, I worked in the display department doing all the art, you know, the displays and flower arranging and stuff for the store whilst I was working out what to do next with my life and um, becoming a teacher. And um, so I had lots of anecdotal, you know, little tidbits of movie stars walking in and, you know, things happening behind the scenes in the store you would never know about. And they, they all, the, the mother and the youngest daughter come across this new paradigm in psychology, which is what I share with my clients. And the symptoms of their hormone distress start to go away. And then they share it with the other daughter who has the postpartum depression and her depression goes away. And so they start to kind of be on a mission to help other women. And the rest of the book is how they set up um, a hotline to help other women with hormonal issues. So my books are always pointing in this direction of this belief that um, we all have innate well-being underneath all the stinky thinking that we can all you know succumb to every now and again um that we are innately well and tying that in with hormones um 
like I was going through menopause when I first came across these ideas, I had horrendous symptoms, you know, not just the hot flushes and the, you know, the um, night sweats and brain fog where I couldn't, I, things that I knew I knew, I couldn't make my brain, you know, it was like thinking through molasses. You know, it wasn't just silly things like finding mayonnaise in the freezer. It was like not being able to function, sweat dripping off my nose. Um, and then towards the end of it, I was having hot flushes about every 20 minutes. And then it would be accompanied by incredible fatigue where it felt like someone had taken my batteries out, you know, <laughs> you know, just like, and you can't function like that. You know, it was it was horrible. Um, and all my doctor ever offered me, amazing doctor, I no criticism of him, but all he could offer me was antidepressants. And I said to him, but I'm not depressed. And he, and he said, but you've just told me you want to cry all the time, you're exhausted and you want to eat chocolate and hide in your room. And I said, well, what woman doesn't? Right? Right? That's my happy place. So, right, but I said, but I love my life. I just can't function in it right now. And luckily, I, that's about when I came across these ideas, combined with some change in my diet, like I started taking um, vitamin B, um, you know, that, and magnesium, I found that they, they were very helpful to kind of get me back, you know, um, into some balance. And so this new paradigm in psychology that I share with everyone, um, it, it kind of, I, as I started seeing that I was caught up in my thinking about my symptoms, and that was escalating the symptoms, as my thinking calmed down and I started to understand what was happening, my symptoms started to melt away and they've pretty much, you know, gone now. I get the occasional hot flush, but nothing like I did. My, my brain fog went away, my fatigue, you know, um, I probably feel fitter and more active today than I've been in decades, <laughs> to be honest. And I've actually had a few women read it um, who had the PMD and had postpartum depression and their symptoms have gone away too just wow. by understanding how it, how it works. It's amazing. Yeah. And this book is very well. It's called very well. Um, here, I have a little co a copy here. It's called very well. Um, the subtitle is a novel about hormones, women, and why Freud was wrong. That's a kind of a little subtext in there. And it was a number Amazon number one bestseller um, for, for a little while when it first came out, which is, Congratulations. Um, you know, yeah, I was very excited about that. Yeah. This idea of taking information that we all need to have and putting it into a story that mm -hmm. resonates so much with me because I have so many quote unquote self-help books, self-help books, mm -hmm. but they sit on my bookshelf and I open them sometimes right. because it is hard to get through them. Right. And it's hard to mm -hmm. retain that information, but putting it into story. I mean, that's beautiful. It's brilliant. Thank you. Yeah. I love it. Mm -hmm. So let's go back a little bit. I know that you had a very traumatic starting out. And if you're comfortable to do so, mm -hmm. let's go back and talk a little bit about that. And then, you know, how that kind of propelled you forward into what you do now. Sure. Yeah. Thank you for asking. Um, so I grew up in England and, um, I was mugged three times in my early 20s. Um, the first time um, was when I was in college at Manchester University. Um, it was the early 80s, you know, everybody was into music. You know, I was a punk rocker, <laughs> you can imagine. It seems like another lifetime now. But, um, you know, I was, in a, I was at a concert and um, it's dark, you know, everybody's, you know, dancing and looking at the stage. Um, and this young man who I, I never knew who he was, he put his hands where he shouldn't. And I remember pushing him away. 
And the next thing I knew, his hand was on the back of my head and he smashed my head into a concrete pillar on the side of the dance floor. And I only lost consciousness very briefly, but my head, my skull was fractured right here. I can put my finger on it. I know no one can really see it, but I know it's right there because I can feel the bone is slightly different where it knitted back together again. Um, I lost my eyesight for about 24 hours. Um, it was really frightening. And actually, when I went to the hospital, um, the nurses had to put me in uh, four point restraints on the x-ray table because because I couldn't see and I had a severe concussion. I was like panicking like this. And they I think they were nervous I was going to fall off the table because they all had to leave the room. So they had to tie me down, which was even more traumatic. <laughs> so um, but I recovered from that one pretty quickly because it was just kind of, you know, one of those things <laughs> that happened. Um, and then about. Uh, three years later, when I'd finished college, I was um, walking about six o'clock in the evening in a neighborhood that I'd been living in whilst I was a student. And three men came out of the dark because it was February in Manchester. It was already dark by that time. Um, slammed me on the ground and beat the living daylights out of me. I, I, I imagine they were looking for money. Um, but I can remember screaming, thinking, if I can't catch another breath, I'm going to die. You know, if they have a knife, I'm going to die. I really believed that that was the end. And I was absolutely terrified. And I kind of had a out of body experience where I was kind of like looking down at me. I could see them attacking me. It was very bizarre. But weirdly, at the same time, I felt deep inside of myself, like being pushed around like a, you know, like a tree in the wind. And so it was a mixture of being absolutely terrified, but also feeling very safe deep inside of me. It's, it took me a long time to work that stuff out, but um, you know it's a very typical you know response when you when you're in a like a life threatening trauma like that. Um, so following that one, I became quite um, I don't know if ill is the right word, but PTSD had only just been recognised as a diagnosis at the time. So even though um, my family doctor sent me to a psychiatrist because I wasn't sleeping, I wasn't eating, my period stopped for a year. Um, uh, I, I was, every time I would leave the house, my head would repeat the story. Last time you left the house, they almost killed you. You know, two weeks ago, you went out and they, you almost died. And this went on and on and on. And I remember like, it took me about two panic attacks just to get to the hospital to see the psychiatrist. And her only therapy, if you like, was to get me to repeat the story. And I remember thinking, you stupid cow. I can do that really well at home on my own. In fact, that's what I do all day long. I need you to help me to stop doing that. And so yeah. I only went for two appointments because they call it flooding therapy. Like they have some belief that if you keep talking about it, I'm like, I have talked about it. I have an audience in my head that I tell it to all day long. So I, I didn't go back. It wasn't worth the panic attacks just to get there. And that was, that was really the only professional help I ever saw. And I wasn't impressed. Um, so I then kind of for about a year just, locked in my room you know my, my my flat in Manchester and um barely barely left absolutely scared and then I decided to move down to London because I thought you know Manchester was you know, clearly the problem um and I started working in the theatre that's from the beginning of my entertainment career and I'd only been there about a year and I was riding my bicycle home from the theatre about 10 o'clock one night and at the corner of my eye I saw a young boy on a, a like a little kid's bike and the next thing I knew he he was off the bike and he threw it at my head so it was like bam like that because I was cycling fast this way and the, the bike hit me in the neck and shoulders like this and he actually broke my neck he 
um, C2 and C3 were cracked through. Um, the next day I could barely move my head. I had to hold my own head up. Um, and I went down really fast that third time because, you know, the other times I'd kind of pick myself up, you know, that, you know, I can do this girl power, you know, like no one's going to get me. And the third time it was like, what's the point? You know, the world is a very scary, dangerous place. Um, and I, I was absolutely terrified to even leave my bedroom at times. You know, I just knew that if I went out, then a bus is going to run me over. So it was, it was so bizarre and ridiculous, the randomness of it. I just, I completely lost it. And again, I wasn't sleeping. I wasn't eating. Um, I was, you know, um, I was in quite a bad way. And it, it, that lasted for probably about six months. So it was like 10 years of PTSD, if you add it all together. And I started getting well when I, I finally reached out to a, a, like a women's crisis center. And these women were amazing and they kind of scooped me up and loved me well and started, I, I'd actually trained to be a counselor when I was in college with the Rape Crisis Center in Manchester. So they kind of helped me, you know, put all my experiences together and start helping other people. So I then kind of had, I've had like two careers, like one in the entertainment business and one, you know, as a coach and a counselor. And they've kind of kind of gone along together because the kind of movies I ended up doing are very specialized. So there would be months off in between. So that's when I would do, you know, coaching, counseling, especially when I lived in California with all kinds of people with trauma and addictions and, you know, terrible situations and, and helping them, um, showing them that you can get well. Cause you know, there I was now flying around the world, you know, I, that's how well I got right? right from going from not being able to leave my house to, to then, you know, flying around the world working, you know, on these big movies. Um, you know, so my message for, for, you know, always still is that, you know, that we're never broken, that they're, they're, we're not, we don't need fixing. It's just, I just got caught up in my thinking that that's all it was really. Yeah. And I don't say all, cause it was terrifying at the time, but when you understand that that's what's happening, it, it makes life a lot easier. Right. Yeah. That part of our brain that amygdala, it keeps us safe, right? It tries yeah. so hard to keep us safe. Yeah. And so the story is this happened to you once. Now I want you to, you know, be super careful. It could happen again. Yeah. And can I just go back for a second? The first yeah. time, the first trauma, you're like, oh, it's one of those things. I'm like, that's the most British thing I've ever heard. <laughs> and carry on. It's just one of those things. It's nothing. You will lost consciousness you lost your vision I can't even imagine the feeling that you had inside of you when you had to be strapped down for x-ray after this traumatic experience I mean not only were you physically violated sexually violated but you are also physically violated in aggression you know physical aggression I just can't imagine and then the second time can you talk a little bit more about how you had that uh, that out of body experience? You said that you um, feared for your safety, but at the same time, you felt very safe deep down inside, and that's typical for PTSD. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because I think I'm just having trouble feeling both things at the same time. Yeah, I mean, I do too. It, it's it's. Um... Because for the for I'd say about ten years afterwards, when I would describe what happened to me to to anybody who'd listen, actually, I got very obsessed with telling the story for a long time. Um, 
I would tell it in the version of the 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 disassociation, like looking down, because that's what I remembered for a long time. And then I remember thinking, yeah, but I could hear myself screaming and and hearing myself screaming was an internal experience. And then for a while I would describe it as, um, you know, like if you think of a beach ball, um, if you think of a beach ball is full of air. And if you were to put, you know, like spikes in and you'd find the most inner point, that's what I felt like I was cushioned. And I don't know if you want to call it spirit or soul or, or whatever you want to call that, that the essential me that can never be broken was deep inside and cushioned somehow. And like I said, I felt like uh, I could feel myself being, you know, moved around by their kicking and punching, um, like a tree gets, you know, pushed around in the wind. But like a tree has roots and it's held down strong. Yeah. So there was part of me that felt, I don't know if I'd had, because it was over in seconds. So, I mean, maybe a minute, but, you know, it's like, it's taken me years to kind of put words to all of this. Um, so there was like a strength there, like, because I believe that we all have resilience. It's, resilience isn't something you have to work at or get. We are resilient. That resilience is part of being a human being. Um, and, and so, and then I started realizing both were actually happening at the same time, which is the, I think the wisdom of, of the, the mind-body connection that we are built, we are like divinely engineered with this way of um, protecting ourselves. The, the out-of-body thing was a protection to help my mind deal with it in some way. And then this, this deep inside thing was um, later when I was able to kind of like understand that and get in touch with that and understand that that is there all the time, that innate well-being never goes away. It's always there. It's just that sometimes we get, we cover it up with a lot of stinky thinking which really what is what the PTSD is, because like, like you mentioned about being kind of hypervigilant, you know, that is one of the symptoms of PTSD too. Also, you get very hypervigilant hyper about sounds, smells, places. So for me, it was footsteps behind me for years. You know, I could be like on the, on the boardwalk in Venice Beach, California, you know, beautiful sunshine with my friends. And if someone maybe jogging or a kid running for a bus, like, a, you know, like my nervous system, that, that amygdala thing would just jump doesn't do that anymore it eventually went away but it I did live with it for quite a long time whilst I wasn't really understanding what was happening yeah so many things that you just talked about are just screaming out to me I mean first of all you saying that you used to tell the story over and over I mean that had to be its own sort of therapy right just finally being able to say the words and feel comfortable saying the words and your description of being in those two places at one time out of body, but also feeling so safe. I love everything about that description because in Women Finding Clarity, which is my business mm -hmm. and the podcast is an offshoot of that, that is one of the big things we talk about is the stories in our heads mm -hmm. and also our true self from within, right? Because there's a, we tend as humans to stay in our head all the time. And it's so very important to get out of our head and into our body and feel that true self with a capital S, right? And so as you're describing that, for me, that's your soul. And that was that divine guidance saying, just ride the wave, you're going to be okay in a minute, right? Right. 
that's just beautiful and so inspiring and supportive for any woman or any person going through any sort of a PTSD experience. Mm -hmm. Wow. I mean, I feel like your whole life is like a gamut of experiences to help someone else. Yeah. 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 We really, I think we have two states. One is up in our heads, like up in our thoughts or we're present in our lives. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's one or the other. And and what what I realize now is I spent probably a couple of decades up in my head. Um, it's funny, I've only started realizing recently just how anxious I was. I, I never thought I was an anxious person. I'm I'm tall, I'm a coach, you know, I, I, I have an Academy Award, you know, like I, I fly around I the world, this. I'm not anxious. My clients are anxious, right? But it's only recently with this new understanding that, that I've started seeing that a lot of my self-consciousness was anxiety that my um, worrying about making a mistake, got to be perfect, you know, you've got to do it right. You know, oh my gosh, I was wearing the wrong shoes, you know, all that kind of thing, you know, um, all that kind of thinking was anxiety. I just thought I was right. You know, I, I knew I was ex- incredibly judgmental and self-righteous, but I just knew I was right. So I never saw it as anxiety. <laughs> wow. But now I just see how I was actually terrified a lot of the time. And the other part of my story is that I had a lot of chronic pain. Um, you know, as a result of those, those injuries, um, whenever I'd go to doctors, they'd always say that my chronic back pain and my I had sciatica, you know, I had all kinds, I had three herniated discs from the third, from the second attack. And my shoulders were always tight and in agony from, from where my neck was broken. Um, and doctors and chiropractors and osteopaths, very well-meaning, they would say, oh, it's because of your injuries. And then when I came across this understanding that I share with my clients about seven or eight years ago now, all my pain went away. 25 years of, I, I used to have a monthly chiropractic appointment. I was paralyzed several times, rushed to the emergency room from movie sets, not being able to move my body from my chest down, um, p- uh, pain shooting down my legs. I had a walking stick at the age of 27, bent sideways. I used to describe myself as Audrey Hepburn on one side and Marilyn Monroe on the other side. I'd be so twisted. I, mean, I can laugh about it now, but um, when, when you're paralyzed and you don't know it's temporary, it's, that, that's frightening too. You're so back I was carrying on that around table this... being strapped down. Yeah. 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 And, and so I, I carried around this story that my spine is weak. I'm going to collapse at any moment, um, which is, that's a burden to walk around with. It was just kind of like in the back of my mind, this, this like thought created story I was you know, living. And I had asthma, allergies, IBS, um, psoriasis, you know, eczema. And I never thought of myself as a sick person. I just saw them as these, they were never all at the same time, but I have two or three of those, you know, just continue throughout my life. And what I started seeing, I see now is my body was screaming at me to slow down. And because I didn't understand the language, I, I almost took those um, those as invitations to analyze it even more, you know, and get into every kind of therapy and modality and technique. And, you know, I was into the Enneagram and the Course in Miracles and you name it, I tried it, you know, to fix it and change myself. And what I know now is there's nothing to fix or change. But thought is always moving through my mind. Everybody's mind. We all work the same way. Thoughts are continuously moving. So like you were saying, it's like when you realize that that's what it is. 
I, my thinking calmed down, my amygdala, my limbic system got the message I was safe and my pain went away. I've not had chronic pain in seven or eight years now, after 25 years of being in agony. Now the, that the IBS feels is gone. miraculous. <laughs> right? It is. I mean, IBS is gone. 50 years of allergies gone. Wow. Because my brain knows that I'm safe now. And in hindsight, do you think that all of that has come from, um, you know, your three traumas, or do you feel like some of that was already with you in early childhood and your teen years and growing up that you had some of this anxiety that you didn't even know you had? Yeah, it started young. I, I had chronic urine infections when I was four or five years old, all the way through to high school, um, and they often say that could be a sign of abuse. And I've done so much self-help stuff. I know, you know, it's, I don't believe that's what it was. I think it was absolute um, stressful thinking. I had, my chronic allergies started when I was about um, six or seven years old. Um, and I see now that, and what I've learned, I've learned a lot about um, the mind-body connection. My second book um, is, is about chronic pain. It's a, again, a story and, and, um, and, and I've learned that, um, inflammation you know um allergies all those kind of things um pain i see them now as signals they are signals to stop and slow down whereas before i thought it was well there must be something wrong with my back there's something wrong with my stomach there's something wrong with my skin and then you know going off to specialists which is even more stressful because they don't know what's wrong because they would do tests and there's nothing wrong right so it's all in your head you know which i you see, this is this is a, a tricky thing. It is in my head in that it's in my thinking. It's not in my head as I'm as if I'm making it up. Right. Because my back pain, I used to feel like someone had hit me with a baseball bat. The pain was real. I wasn't imagining it, but the brain has this. You know, um, pain is is pain is a special effect, right? It's it's the, it's the ultimate special effect. And pain actually happens in the brain. The brain assesses whether, you know, it's a good idea to send, you know, if you cut your finger, you'll probably get pain because that's going to help you take care of it, clean the wound, get stitches, whatever you need, a Band-Aid. But chronic pain is when the injuries have healed and the pain continues. And I've, I found science that shows that that pain is showing up here in the limbic system and the brain, um, where normally pain shows up here in, in the front, uh, the prefrontal cortex part of the brain. and so if it's coming from this part of the brain, it's coming from the emotional center, then it's like the brain is, is trying to use that pain to wake us up. And it was trying to wake me up to the fact that I was living, I was living my life in my head and in my thoughts. And, and once I started understanding that and seeing that you know, I could be present in my life and, and safety really is a state of mind. You know, cause I mean, I, I live here in Israel, we have, a lot of you know um terrorist attacks and trauma and stuff and people say how can you live there it's so scary i'm like you probably hear about it on the news before i do it's like i'm in my apartment i feel safe <laughs> you know it's like yeah it's it really is a state of mind i i can walk around at night in the dark on my own i mean obviously i i'm you know be safe and be sensible and common sense but um it's not that kind of safety is not on my agenda anymore i, I mean that kind of terror it just like i, I I don't, I feel safe in my own head yeah. and therefore my common sense will help me to take care of myself and, you know, live my life. What a beautiful transition you've made. 
So beautiful. I want to go back because I know that you've um, conducted case studies in all your research. And what brought that to my thinking was when you were talking about your pain showing up in your emotion pain center, you know, in your emotion center in your brain. Talk a little bit about the case studies that you did for your own research. Yeah. Um, when I realized that all my pain had gone away, um, I got very curious to see if I could recreate this in other people. Because I remember at the time um, talking to my, my family doctor about it. And, and I remember she said to me, she pointed at the door of her office and she said, everybody who comes through my door is either um, maternity or some kind of stress-related pain condition. And she called it an epidemic. I mean, this was before, you know, COVID happened, but she, she called that an epidemic. And, and I can only imagine it's gotten worse since, you know, since we've all dealt with Corona. Um, so I remember I, I was curious to see if, you know, because I, I, I knew there were so many people suffering with pain. Could I help some other people, you know, get their pain, get, get pain relief? So here where I live, we have a, a Facebook group a Facebook group and it's called Secret Jerusalem. And I put up a post and I said, I'm doing some research on chronic pain. Um, you know, I, I need five volunteers. And I got 30 replies in two days. And wow. people were just saying, I don't care what it is, just sign me up, you know, because people are suffering. And they're desperate. They're desperate. You know, yeah. when you're when you're living in pain, I mean, I met people who were living in pain for just six months, two years, and they were exhausted. I said, I, I lived with it for 25 years. I, I get it. Um and so I chose five people and I, I literally chose them because their schedule fit with mine as much as anything. Cause I was giving each person 10 hours. I kind of came up with a 10 hour program to give over these ideas and, and, and really based on conversational, like transformational coaching. And um, the people I chose, there was a lady with knee pain, a lady with back pain, a man with um, oh. migraines, you know, different kinds of physical issues. When I say pain, it doesn't have to be, you know, traditional, you know, shoulder pain or something, it can be um, dizziness, you know, chronic fatigue syndrome, fibromyalgia, migraines, you know, IBS, even fertility problems. Um, and so there was a, a range of, you know, physical symptoms, and they all started to get better, some more than others, you know, because, because the ideas I'm sharing, they're not a cure for pain or a cure for menopause or anything like that. They're, they're how, the mind works, they're how experience is created. So when you understand how experience is created, you become less frightened of life and, and feelings and emotions. And then our bodies calm down, our nervous systems get the message that we're safe, which sends a safety message to the brain. No need to produce all these physical issues anymore. I had people with eczema, um, asthma, and, and they started getting better. And so when I when I wrote that second book, it's actually um, I I set it in a fictional uh, physiotherapy clinic, and I I let the physiotherapist invites me to come and do a, like a, some case studies in, in in the clinic. So I used all the like clients I've had, you know, from different times, and kind of made them into characters in the book, and. And so not everybody gets it. It's not like a, I, I wish um, I could just sprinkle fairy dust on people, you know, and, th and their pain goes away. It's not like that. It's really based on insights. Because I had tried a ton of techniques and modalities and methods, and they, they might work for a while. But what I found what really works is, is an insight. 
because an insight is a sight from within, right? It's a shift in your thinking, a shift in your perspective. And um, I mean, I, I just give a, a really silly example because sometimes I think people think insights are, you know, trumpets and angels and it's, you know, it's, right. it can be, it can be, but it doesn't have to be. Um, like a really simple, silly one. When I was a kid, I remember seeing my father get in the neighbor's car and move their car for, I can't remember why now, but I remember thinking, wow, my dad can drive anybody's car. That is amazing. Right. Because at five years old, I didn't realize you, because I'd only ever seen people driving their own car. How would you know how to drive somebody else's car? Right. So, and then I realized, oh, maybe, you know, if you can drive, you can drive anybody's car. Like it's a silly thing, but then my perspective shifted. And then the possibility of maybe I can drive a car, you know, like, you know, my mother was driving the car now. Um, so it just can be like a little thing. You, when our thinking shifts, everything can look different. And yet nothing out here has to change. I was obsessed with changing things out here for the longest time. You know, if only the boyfriend would leave or come back, whatever it was, if only the football team would win, if only my mother, you know, what, you, you name it, if it would be different, then I'd be okay. Right. And, and with that belief system, first of all, it's exhausting trying to control and manage everything that way. And with that belief system, even if you can get things to change, something else is going to annoy the hell out of you. Yeah. Right. So when I started to see that I was actually feeling my thinking about this situation, I was feeling my thinking about my pain or my feeling my thinking about the doctor or the boyfriend or the football or whatever it was, then that's good news because if I'm the one doing the thinking and I know that thought is always moving, then I'm not a victim of my situation anymore or my relationships or, or anything. And when you see that we live in a thought created world 100% of the time, there are no exceptions. You don't have to be a victim of what um, other people's stuff, um, this, my traumas, I got, that's why I got free of my trauma. Um, I'm not in denial. It happened. I just you know, told you guys some of the story, but from a better state of mind, for a better perspective, I can tell that story with understanding and even compassion. Whereas before, when I was repeating the story obsessively, I was in a lower state of mind and it was a disaster. So the event doesn't have to change. My perspective of it changes. And that is true, not just of trauma, but of like what happened yesterday or what I think is going to happen next week. So my, the case, sorry, back to the case studies, I think that's why they also started getting better because they started understanding this and having their own insights and seeing that they were torturing themselves with their own thinking and they started to get better. And this one, one specifically, I remember as a lady, she had knee pain. And as I'm talking about these ideas, she started to realize that, um, Whenever she would meet, bump into a friend, let's say, the friend would say, oh, Deborah, how are your knees? Or Deborah, there's that, I, I hear your, you know, your nephew's um, having a wedding. Oh, shame you can't dance at the, the wedding because of your knees. Oh, we're going to this class, but it's upstairs. What about, she, oh my gosh, I'm Deborah with the bad knees. Yeah. And she realized that she, her knee pain came when she would stand up. So if she was sitting down, she was constantly thinking, is it going to hurt? How bad is it going to hurt? You know, I have to, you know, do such and such later. Oh my gosh, how am I going to do that with my painful knees? So she was kind of priming her brain to produce the pain. And as she started understanding it, her, her knee pain started to go away. That is absolutely amazing. And also 
Of course, right? Yeah, right. Duh. <laughs> <laughs> but but I, I want to stress the, the idea that it's an innocent misunderstanding. Right. I didn't understand before that when my, my, my back, my stomach, my skin, whatever was erupting at the time was, uh, was a message. I innocently didn't know. I didn't, in, I innocently didn't know that um, I was, you know, making it worse by, you know, dwelling on the thoughts and overthinking it. You know, we'd all do better when we know better. So I, I don't want anybody to hear this and, and like start blaming themselves. Oh my gosh, I'm creating my pain with my stupid thinking. It's an innocent misunderstanding. And when you understand differently, you know, you don't have to be caught up in even the blame thoughts, you know? And so much of it is we just haven't had that moment or that teacher or that guide to give mm -hmm. us that insight shift, right? Yeah. And so, of course, we don't, you shouldn't blame yourselves. I say should, shouldn't, I don't yeah, yeah, yeah. like the word should. <laughs> But yes, don't blame yourself because if you haven't had that experience or that teacher or guide to this point to give you that insight, why would you have that insight? Yeah. yeah. And that's what life is, right? It's a series of events, a series of meeting people that gives us the mindset shift, the insight that changes our perspective. Yeah. And when we know better, we can do better. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Absolutely beautiful. Um, I want to talk a little bit about your experience with, I, I don't know if you call it mentoring people who had long COVID or mm. what do you do with that? I feel like this is still such a huge focal point in society right now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I personally never had COVID. Um, obviously here we had, you know, the lockdowns and, you know, like everybody else, it was, you know, very devastating to, to most people's lives. But um, I, I was approached by a, a businessman in, in the UK who had had long, who had had COVID and he hadn't left his house in two years. Um, he, apart from maybe a few medical appointments, he, he told me um, that when he when he was experiencing the symptoms at the worst, he he called nine um, like in England it's nine 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 one one in America. Okay, um, he called the emergency services, and they were so overstretched at the time that the paramedic said to him, "Go to your bathroom and look in the mirror." So this this guy, he's probably in his early thirties, um, went pulled himself to the mirror, and the paramedic said, "Are your lips turning blue?" He said, no, he said, then when, then we can't come. They were so busy dealing with, you know, almost like fatal cases. That's yeah. how bad it was. But he was, he was in a really bad way. You know, he, he couldn't, he hadn't driven his car in two years. He couldn't play with his kid outside, you know, he's, and this, he's a very active um, businessman. He has a, a, his own business with 50 employees. He's a Google marketing, something or other, you know, very, very successful entrepreneur type guy, very go-getting type person. And he was, you know, pretty much totally debilitated. And a colleague of mine had written a book um, and he put my story in, in his book. So this businessman had read that and reached out to me. And it was my first time um, working with someone, you know, with, with on COVID. And so this, the businessman knew a little bit about the ideas that I'm describing because he had used them in his business. 
because like I said, this isn't just a cure for pain. If, if, you're, if your mind is peaceful and calm, you're going to be a better businessman. You're going to be a better partner. You're going to be you know, better at anything if your mind is calm. But he'd never made the connection with physical stuff. So we only had a couple of sessions and he started having insights, you know, like he's like, like put piecing it together. He's like, oh my gosh. And, and what we started seeing was that um, he had slowed down like on the outside, like the fatigue from, from the chronic, um, from the long COVID, the fatigue he was experiencing had slowed him down physically, but his inner speed was still going hundred miles an hour. And I find that happens a lot with people, whether it's long COVID or, you know, back pain or whatever it is, or maybe even just got the flu, you know, it looks like we're resting, but we're on our phones scrolling, you know, like watching Netflix, you know, yeah. mine's going hundred miles an hour. <clears throat> and so the brain doesn't get a chance to rest. And so the symptoms keep going. And he, he, he immediately started getting his energy back. Um, he, after like a month after we worked together, he was able to go into his office. He, he went just like one or two days a week, just for a few hours. He kind of eased himself into it. And within a short space of time, he actually got invited to a family wedding in Sweden. And he went on the train because he he's vegan and eco-friendly. He didn't want to catch a plane. So he got on the train from, from London and went to Sweden on his own and danced at his cousin's wedding, you know, just a few months later. It's absolutely incredible and he's now planting trees and doing other businesses and he's he's like he's, he said I felt like a man released from prison wow and so that was that was Marcus's story and um you literally facilitated it was a complete change in the rest of his life yeah and I say facilitated right because as coaches, we don't fix people, right? Just a guide. We're, we're just the person who leads the insight. Right. And so you facilitated him changing the rest of his life. Imagine it's like black and white. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. I did. I know you were going to tell another, but I just needed to stop for a moment and (laughs) acknowledge how huge that is. Mm-hmm. I had long COVID. I got mm-hmm. COVID in March of 2020 and mm-hmm. my blood pressure shot up and the fatigue and the mm-hmm. brain fog. It was so very real for over a year. Yeah. Then, you know, it slowly started to get better, but my doctor was amazing through all of it and was very honest, like, Hey, this is new. We're just trying things. Let's see what works for you. You know, mm-hmm. I love so very much that you have this experience now you've had this success in facilitating the change for what so many people are experiencing. Mm-hmm. And so carry on. I want to hear everything else you have to say. I just wanted to acknowledge that <laughs> that's you. huge. And so congratulations, mm-hmm. not only to you, but also to Marcus for mm-hmm. allowing himself to receive the information to have the change. Mm. Yeah, I really see my job is my job is really about pointing people in the right direction, you know, and then they have their own insights from their own wisdom and that, because I can teach people these, you know, things, but then, and a parrot could repeat it back to me, but an intellectual understanding of it isn't going to help. It's just like acquiring information and then move on to the next method. But when you have an insight and things really shift and, and things can, you know, be so different. But what I wanted to say was, you know, there's, 
all these different areas of life that I've kind of, you know, here I am like doing special effects in movies and now I'm like talking about amygdalas and <laughs> I'm completely self-taught. I am not a doctor. Um, it, it's all been out of complete self-interest. But um, so at first it was the chronic pain and then it was um, the hormones and then long COVID. So when, when I do research for my books, I, I like to join Facebook groups because it's one thing reading what the doctors say and the scientists and the researchers, but I want to hear what people are saying, the people who are suffering from these things, right? So I go into Facebook groups, I kind of sneak in and, you know, say a family member had it or something. And um, <laughs> I'm a bit sneaky when it, with my research. Everyone's going to have your picture on the wall now. Don't let her in. <laughs> yeah, don't let her into her Facebook group. Um, so, but what I found was, um, first of all, like in, in the chronic pain groups, as well as the you know, the more specific like plantar fasciitis, migraines, you know, neck pain, shoulder, you know, frozen shoulder, whatever it is. One, what I've noticed was there were some common symptoms like fatigue, brain fog, stomach problems and sleep issues. And then when I joined the menopause and PMDD and postpartum groups, guess what? Brain fog, fatigue, stomach problems, sleep issues. Guess what I see in the long COVID groups? brain fog, fatigue, stomach problems, and sleep issues. So what I've learned, and one of my teachers is a retired psychiatrist. He's a medical doctor and he's got 50 years of clinical you know, practice um, and, and also working with these ideas. And I've learned so much from him. I've done courses with him and other medical doctors. And just seeing that those kind of basic symptoms are our body screaming at us. You know, those, because brain fog, and, and yes, it's associated with menopause and it's associated with these things, but why? Like when I looked into research into the hormone stuff, um, this is something I found absolutely fascinating, was I found uh, some research from uh, Virginia University of a, a, a professor who researches reproductive mood disorders. And she um, wanted to test their hormones because it was specifically PMDD, the women who are suicidal from their monthly cycle. So she had a group of um, these women with PMDD and a group of women who she called normal, which I kind of objected to calling them normal. Like who's normal, what, what is normal? Anyway, exactly. um, so, so anyway, so she tested their, their hormone levels and I've learned that a blood test isn't sufficient. You have to do urine tests over a period of, you know, maybe a week to get a real, good idea of what your hormone levels are because they can change with just having lunch you know yeah. and um and and before I tell you what the results are um if you'd asked me in my 20s and my 30s why I was moody you know uh, on some months or like you know really miserable other months I would have said it's something like you know my hormones are out of whack this month or um <clears throat> you know there's something malfunctioning there you know um that's why but what she found, and this shocked me when I first read it, she said their hormone levels were the same. The women with a suicidal PMDD and the woman she group she was calling normal. Now, yes, their cycles, you know, they're fluctuating because that's why we call it a cycle. Both groups are cycling, but they're cycling in the same way. So being a good researcher, she got curious. Why is this group of women suffering? And I really believe you could apply the same what I'm going to say the same to the long COVID, to, to postpartum, to menopause, to chronic pain. What she saw in this group is that they, not 100%, but the large majority of them had either had trauma, abuse, or some kind of prolonged stressful thinking. And that was what was creating their reaction to their symptoms. So 
and especially with the monthly cycle because like if you have you know if you have a fight with your boss or your sister it could you know be random but if you know next month is coming and you've had a hellish time last month then by the time you've recovered from last month some of these women only have like a two two days in the middle of their cycle before like <gasps> next month is coming and that <clears throat> reaction is now telling the amygdala that your danger is coming and they're already anticipating danger so like see my muscles are just tightened up as soon as I said that even and I feel safe right now you know so we're putting our bodies through hell so it's like their monthly cycle was just like another trauma to deal with and and what I learned about long COVID and and I this is no judgment of anybody but one of the things I I read a, um, a study from Oxford University that said a lot of the people who got long COVID were not necessarily people who were in hospital so what is it about those people who were home, possibly watching the news all day, Googling? I, I find most of my clients uh, have Googled themselves uh, into, you know, torture. You know, Absolutely. They, they We've go- all, all, the, all of us WebMDers and Googlers right. of our symptoms have had yeah. 18 different types of cancer, yes. right? Yeah. <laughs> in yeah. our heads. At three o'clock in the morning, do not Google. Ever. <laughs> right? Ever. <laughs> right? And, and so most of the people I speak to, they, they have innocently created this place where they're torturing themselves their own thinking. And we love a bit of evidence when we're in a low mood. Like I, you know, when I was in my, my depths of my PTSD, I had police reports and x-rays to prove that the world was a scary place. Right. So if you've had an MRI or, you know, blood work or you've been on WebMD and you're an expert in it more than your doctor now, right? We have just scared ourselves sick. But the good news is it's all happening up here in our heads. We and your body scared ourselves sick. Yes. Wow. I didn't mean to interrupt, but again, when you drop these mic drop statements like that, I'm like, (laughs) stop. We need to just put a little attention on this. We've Mm -hmm. scared ourselves sick. As you're talking, I'm like, I completely felt like I had undiagnosed PMDD because I would get so angry during that time that I would say, I feel like I could put my fist through the plate glass window. I would have so much anger. And I would say within my cycle, I had one good month, one good week out of every month. And so not only did my body feel how it felt, I'm using the words that are then reinforcing the feeling in my head. And as you're saying, Mm -hmm. I'm realizing that's also setting me up for failure next month, right? Exactly. Yep, exactly. Yeah. Holy budgies. Have I just had a huge insight about my own health? Seriously. Yeah. And the same is true with like my back pain. I, like I said, I had this story that my back could go out at any moment. I was anticipating it. So my nervous system was on edge all the time. I think the hypervigilance I experienced from my PTSD, it was almost like, well, that self-help work kind of internalized it. So I, I was now hypervigilant about my thinking, you know? Right. And, and I think that's where this, this new understanding of the mind is so helpful is because when you understand that thought is always moving, it's spiritual energy and it's always flowing. There is nothing to fix or change. No need to reframe anything. No need to journal or analyze. It's just moved on. Like, like imagine your, your mind is kind of like a train station. 
and the trains are moving on, any kind of analyzing or fixing it is like dragging the train back into the station to work out how to make it leave. Yeah. Well, it already left. <laughs> You're okay, right? right. Um, but until I understood that, I kept sending danger messages to my brain, which kept generating the pain <clears throat> and the brain fog and, and the dizziness and all, all the laundry list of things. And I just want to tell you, my, my next book, I, I've, I, I have ideas for like three more novels in terms of stories. Like I want to do addictions. I want to do, um, uh, I'm doing one on ADHD. Don't get me started. Anyway, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but the, the one I'm really working on right now is more of a textbook because I am aware of so many people now who've recovered um, the, the ideas that I'm sharing are called the three principles. And I, I have a community of people who have recovered from mental health diagnosis and I'm collecting their stories uh, from schizophrenia to OCD to ADHD to um, suicidal ideation, bulimia, anorexia, bipolar, you name it. I found someone who's recovered. And when I say recovered, off medication, don't need treatment, living their best lives. In fact, just before I came on this, I was just transcribing a story from a young woman who was self-harming for like 12 years. Mm. She had such cuts in her skin, she had to have stitches. Oh I mean, my. What, what is someone going through in their thinking that they would do that to themselves? And um, she's actually one of my clients. And when I, I started mentoring her, um, she 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 hadn't didn't even have a high school diploma. She was like so, you know, out of it during high school. She has got herself a, a high school diploma. She got herself into university and she has just graduated her master's degree in physical education. Wow. And she's now um, coaching with a special Olympics team. So and beautiful. When, I, when I met her, she was in a mental hospital. Hannah. Wow. Right? So, so when this, this is powerful stuff. You know, and the reason I wanted to collect all those variety of stories is because I want to show people there are no exceptions. Yeah. We all have innate well-being, even someone like her who was like on her third or fourth suicide attempt in and out of psych wards. Like 10 different diagnoses, a ton of medication. And she is now um, and she has scars. And at first she would tell people she was attacked by a shark. Right? But now she's like, <laughs> so she's like, whatever, you know, it's past, it's gone, it's not me anymore. And she smiles and laughs about it. And that was incredible. So inspiring. It's you so know, incredible. Like and your philosophy of we are all innately well goes right back to the beginning of you having this out-of-body experience. Mm -hmm. At the same time, it was this place inside of you that was safe. You were okay. Yeah. And so I feel like that's like the jumping off point of all of this is that feeling. Mm -hmm. And so your three principles, can we talk about those or do we not want to give those away? No, no, it's, it's, um, I, I, I'm honored to, because I, I don't want to take credit. It's that, it, you know, I, I'm a, I'm a practitioner of this rather than I'm, I'm not an individuator by any kind. So the three principles are mind, thought, and consciousness. And these ideas were put together by a man called Sidney Banks. He was a Scottish um, gentleman who ended up in Vancouver, Canada. And in the 70s, he had kind of a, you could call an enlightenment experience. And at the time, you know, it was very much about, you know, um, searching and, you know, it was the 70s, everybody was looking for enlightenment and, you know, people were, you know, going from the Vietnam draft across the border to Canada, you know, it was very much like the Beatles are off to India. It was very much that time. And 
he he basically saw that because his story was that he spent his whole life feeling insecure and he suddenly saw he wasn't insecure he just thought he was mm. it's so simple right yeah and he saw through the through the illusion of thinking and he over a period of a, a few days he had these really powerful insights where he started putting all this together and he started sharing with his neighbors and his friends and people started apparently 100 people a day were coming off the ferry from Vancouver to, to hear him speak and then wow. he started you know going to, he spoke at MIT he had a they had an institute at um, a university um, sharing his ideas and teaching and training people um, he wrote about six books I'm happy to you know give you the details um, he passed away in 2009 I believe but it kind of, he kind of taught a lot of people to be practitioners. So, so all my teachers were mentored by him, like the, the psychiatrist I mentioned earlier. And, um, and like I said, these ideas are not specifically for pain or menopause or anything. They are how we all work. It's, it's the basis of psychological functioning. Because if you think about it, mind, thought and consciousness, like one of the analogies that I use with my clients is, imagine you were a baker you would probably need to order flour, egg, sugar, oil, salt. And think of all the bakers around the world. They're all, all ordering those three or four basic ingredients and making billions of different baked goods. Yeah. Well, if you think about psychology, mind, thought, and consciousness are at the root of every modality in therapy and analysis you can think of, from, from Freudian analysis to NLP, DBT, CBT, NLP, uh, DBT, uh, N, uh, I was going to say NPR, BBC, you know? <laughs> <laughs> right? EFT, you, you name it, yeah. you, you just bring it on, name one, I, I guarantee you that at the root of them, the way that the reason they work is because they've slowed people down, Yeah. right? And mind, thought, and consciousness are the, are the root of all of them. And what I found is when you understand how something works, I don't need to do all those techniques anymore. We've kind of gone further upstream and when you understand how something works then you're free you know my clients don't have to stay with me for a long time because once they they get their insights their own insights and they see what how it, what it means for them they get free of it like like the girl with the self-harm um you know it's it's um it's very very simple i think sometimes people find it too simple because if you're you know, caught up in your thinking and, and you've been told that you're broken and your problems are very complicated and it feels very sophisticated, you know, then such a simple idea like we're always feeling our thinking can seem too simple. Yeah. But it sounds simple to a busy mind. Right. A busy mind is going to miss that. And my mind was so busy before. And, and now it's a lot quieter. And, you know, like I said, I don't have the pain. For other people, it's bankruptcies or five divorces. There's, there's many ways that we can, you know, when we misunderstand, we can start, you know, um, acting out and not behaving well. But when you understand, you become a better partner, a better businesswoman, a better, you know, um, entrepreneur, politician, sports person, you name it. Um, it's it's a, it's a beautiful set of ideas you know that are, are changing people's lives really mm -hmm. so inspiring so hannah if people want to um work with you or if they want to buy your books how can they get a hold of you how can they get your books thank you um yes yeah, so my books are all on amazon um the first one is called the myth of low self-esteem 
the that's one about trauma the middle one about chronic pain is called painless and the new one the hormone one is called very well um you can find me on facebook and i have a website it's my name hannahstudley.com so hannah is spelled c-h-a-n-a-s-t-u-d-l-e-y.com and I recently opened a membership group, which I'm very excited about. So um, it's only $25 a month and you get um, a book club, coaching calls, um, daily you know, thought for the day videos. Um, and I, and, and the, the young woman I was telling you about who has graduated the master's in physical education, she's my health and fitness coach now. So amazing. <laughs> yeah, so we're, we're working together now and she, she teaches a health and fitness class uh, every week. Um, so, you know, that's, that's a really exciting thing I've just started um, to build a community, you know, to share these ideas. And I'm doing, you know, like videos every day and um, I'm, I'm, it's my, my new baby. So, um, so the membership group and this new book where I'm collecting stories, those are really the things I'm, I'm really focused on and working to. And I have a Facebook group, has about 3000 people in it, but the Facebook algorithm, I, I don't know how many people actually see the posts, but um, it's a, that's also a very nice community. So you can find me. Find me on and I just Facebook. say $25 a week is nothing for everything that you're giving. Because think about how much one coaching session would cost alone. Think about how much a an exercise class or a yoga class or a class mm-hmm. in nutrition would cost. So for you to put this together, everything you're getting in a week for $25, it's practically free. Right. Yeah. So Wow. That's amazing. And that's very generous. <laughs> very generous. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Hannah, this has been my absolute pleasure and delight. I'm so happy that the universe crossed our paths. I'll be joining your Facebook group. Your mm-hmm. books are going to be going into my Amazon mm-hmm. cart. And don't be surprised when you see my name in the subscription because <laughs> amazing. You are just such a wealth of information. You're such a beautiful light in this world. You are shining your light out into the world and changing lives. You're literally changing, facilitating the rise of the vibration of humanity. And it's beautiful. So thank you for being here. Thank you. My pleasure. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Happiness Workshop podcast, where we know that happiness is a workshop. As we're getting started this week, I want to take a moment to invite you to schedule a complimentary 30-minute Breakthrough to Clarity session with me. In your Breakthrough to Clarity session, together, you and I will assess where you are most struggling in life and see if we're a good fit to do more work together in the future. You will leave your complimentary 30-minute Breakthrough to Clarity session with my one hottest tip and your one next actionable step to help you move forward on your path toward a happier life. The link to schedule is in show notes. This week, I want to talk a little bit about limiting beliefs and what that means for you. As life events are coming up, we are taking those life events and using them as proof to what we can anticipate in life, what we deserve in life as the reason for what's happening in our lives. What I mean by that is I talk to my clients about the fact that there is no past and there is no future. All we have is our now moment. Really, it's going to sound like very woo-woo, airy-fairy thinking, but time 
is a made up concept. As humans, we want to be able to explain everything. We want to be able to reason everything and make it all make sense. We want order. Our brains want order. And so we feel safer when we have order. But what happens in this 3D reality that we're living in where we think that time is real is we're living in the past and we're using events that have happened in our past as expressions of our now and our expectations of our future. That is such a limiting belief because an experience in your past, while it has impacted you, does not necessarily predict your future. In the now moment, you have the capacity to create the future you want by creating your now in this now moment in infinite time is the only control we actually have. And so I invite you to really start to ruminate on this idea of there is no past, there is no future, all we have is now. I pull this thought and this theory from Eckhart Tolle, who I really use as a mentor in his book, The Power of Now, and in A New Earth, Awakening Your Life's Purpose, he brings together that idea of all we have is the now, and we can create our life through our now moments. And in this now moment, I'm so excited to introduce you to this evening's guest. Hannah Studley has been coaching and counseling people for over 30 years. Surviving three violent muggings and recovering from severe PTSD in the 1980s, Hannah went on to have a very successful Academy Award-winning career in Hollywood. After graduating from the One Thought Institute in 2018, she has been leading the way in pioneering work with the three principles and the mind-body connection. Most recently, she has been working with people with long COVID and hormone distress. Hannah is a World Health Organization psychologist, first responder, has a diploma in psychology, and is a certified life coach. She is a successful entrepreneur and author. Hannah's first book, The Myth of Low Self-Esteem, a novel about PTSD, Hollywood, and healing, came out in 2019, and her second, Painless, a novel about chronic pain and the mind-body connection, was published in 2021. Her latest book, Very Well, a novel about hormones, women, and why Freud was wrong, was released in February of this year and became an Amazon bestseller. Without further ado, welcome Hannah Studley. How captivating was that conversation with Hannah Studley? I don't know about you, but I had multiple insights in my own life and in my own thinking. The mind-body connection never ceases to amaze me, and there's always something we can learn about ourselves. To learn more about Hannah Studley, you can find her at www.hannahstudley.com. That is www.chanastudley.com. Her link is in show notes and you can find her books on Amazon. Remember, for all things happy, including the Happiness Workshop podcast, you can find me at www.womenfindingclarity.com. Keep moving forward on your path toward happiness. And as we talked about again here today, always remember to go within. Good night. Thank you for being part of the Women Finding Clarity community and for making the Happiness Workshop podcast part of your week. 
If you're enjoying the show, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and review on your favorite listening platform and share the Happiness Workshop podcast with a friend. These are simple ways to help us get our show in the ears and on the minds of more listeners. We know that happiness is a workshop, so find more tools to guide you forward on your path to happiness at www.womenfindingclarity.com. A reminder to keep moving forward on your path to happiness and always remember to go within.